Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Curious John podcast. This is your host, Onome. In this episode, I'll be playing my conversation with an atheist who was a former Catholic. Now, the story of this person fascinates me a lot because this guy wanted to become a Catholic priest. And in fact, he had already spent many years in the seminary, but he ended up as an atheist. So you can imagine what that entails. So I want you to relax and enjoy the conversation. All right, Mr. Adera, welcome to the Curious John podcast. Thank you, John. Yeah, thank, thank you for thank you for coming on the podcast. I think your full name is Chidera. Is that correct? Yeah, Chidera. Okay, Chidera. Chidera. Okay, okay, nice, nice, nice. Yes. Okay, welcome. All right. So, uh, can you please just introduce yourself and so that the listeners can know a bit about you at least? Just, just tell us what you are comfortable sharing. Okay. My name is Dera. That's the name I prefer being called, but from birth, my parents gave me Chidera, <laughs> mm. which means uh, God writes. Whatever um, is written is written. Whatever is written by God is written. Mm. So, but I prefer just Dera. Okay. Whatever is written is written. Okay. Then that God now should be me. Okay. <laughs> 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 Okay. Uh, so I don't want to. I don't like adding chi there, so that the religious folks won't think I'm talking about their own god. So I prefer there, so that I know that the chi, which means God, there is me. Okay. okay. <laughs> that so that's sense. just it. So, so basically, you mean like whatever, like you have written, like whatever you are, you you are determined to do, you are going to do it, like. We could translate yeah, it in that that's just just the kind of a uh, I took I took up the name as a principle for life. Okay, okay. you know I try my best to keep to my words. Mm. Whatever I've said, I will do. If I didn't say it, I won't do it. And I try my best to be careful with my words mm. with anybody. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And then also I do use the name to mess people up, Sha. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes. Because when you might be maybe pleading or trying to make me change my mind, I'll be like, man, I'm just following my name. You know my name now. Chidera. Here the radio go here now. What is written is written. What you said is said. I can't change my mind. <laughs> yeah, That's interesting. So is there, is there any other thing you want to like say about yourself before we... Okay. Uh, about myself. Currently, I'm... Um, an atheist, but before I was religious. Mm. I was religious. So, even... Okay, I think there's nothing much to know about me. Uh, coming from my family background, I'm a first son with uh, three siblings coming after me. So, mm-hmm. being an atheist that was born a Catholic, I was trained a Catholic... <laughs> trained to become a priest so <laughs> it might be somehow uh, funny that uh, someone that was trained or nurtured to become a priest all of a sudden uh, became an atheist oh. so <laughs> i think this is just a, a little someone needs to know about me maybe as the podcast goes on yeah the listeners might know more okay okay that's fine 
and um yeah so you you say you are an atheist right now so like how do you if you are asked to like describe what um what being an atheist means to you can you just give us a very simple um, definition for me being an atheist simply means going back to the way i should be going back to the normal how things should be because if they didn't teach me religion <laughs> i wouldn't be religious mm, okay so being a, being an atheist is a kind of being a born again you <laughs> get because for me the for me the main born again is not uh, what christians or protestant uh, protestants call born again for me being born again means going back to the original way you know now i'm being born again because when i was born i don't know anything about religion anything about god so all these things were things i was taught okay. so if no one taught me all those things i won't know anything about them okay. so, so i think i'm a born again Okay. born again not the christian born again but and <laughs> born again atheist okay so like if i if i get that right you just mean like being an atheist means you don't like you have no religious beliefs and anything like that yes 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 i'm just back to the way i was before they taught me religion okay wow that's interesting okay so let, let's now, let's go let's talk about your like how you how your how your views changed over time because you, you told me that you were about like you were being trained to become a priest then you you became an atheist and that is like that sounds very serious because for somebody to decide to become a priest like they have to be very devoted so can you tell us how exactly did that happen like you can just just give us a a, a history of your your experience okay let me begin from my primary school days after my primary six then okay during my primary school days i was an altar server i so much wanted to be close to god close to the altar and anytime we go to church i always admire the priests admire those in most times you know when the priests are celebrating the mass during benediction when they are raising the blessed sacraments and people are bowing down i always tell myself i would like to serve god like these people so you know those admirations of the priests that admiration of god admiration of the church service and everything you know drew my attention towards the altar you get and meanwhile my mom and my dad are very religious mm. my mom is deeply <laughs> religious so you go to church every day you get so that alone started drawing me close to the altar then i joined the mass service that should be my primary four my primary four i joined the mass service then after my primary six I told my parents I would like to join the seminary. I would like to be a priest. Okay. <laughs> so they were like, am I sure? Am I serious? I told them, yes, I would like to be a priest. So they secured the forms for me and I applied to three different junior seminaries. I passed the three of them, then selected to selected one. Okay. So I selected to study in Aba instead of studying in Onisha 
all in all war that is in Anambra State. <laughs> I decided to go somewhere far away. So my mom, my parents were like, why choose Aba? Why choose that distance? And they were like, so I was able to convince them, not just me, but some other, one other um, senior seminarian and another priest was able to convince them that Abba will be okay for me to get. So I went to Abba, did my junior seminaries from JSS1 to JSS3 in Abba, then from SS1 to SS3 in Oweri, because then our seminary have a, the junior seminary comes in two places. Some seminaries do have their SS, their JS1 to SS3 in one campus, but ours then have a, have two different campuses. JS1 to JS3, one campus, SS1 to SS3, another campus. So that was for junior seminary. And then the junior seminary here is a, is just like secondary school. Yeah, I was only going to, I, I, sorry, I was going to ask you to like, maybe you could just briefly explain the seminary process in case people, like me now, I, I grew up in a Catholic um, house, but I don't really know how the, how exactly does the process work. So can you just briefly explain how it, how it is if you want to become a priest? Okay, becoming a priest, uh, you can either join the seminary um, from JSS1 as a boy when after your primary school okay. or you can join after your ss after your secondary school so i joined after my after my primary school at jss1 i was 11 then so i joined at 11 no not 11 i should be 10 11 was my jss2 so i joined at 10 so when i was 10 years so after your minor seminary first stage is minor seminary or junior seminary so the minor or junior seminary is just secondary school. Everything is just like normal secondary school courses. But the difference now is that some seminary courses or church courses will now be added. Courses like Latin, uh, doctrines of the Catholic Church, uh, you know, just some many other courses that have things to do with preparing you for the priesthood. Okay, you get so the boarding school. You know, seminary training, you go for morning mass in the morning, you go for classes, after classes you go for afternoon prayers, you go to the refectory, eat, then siesta, after siesta, games or manual labor, after manual labor or games, you go for evening prayers, after evening prayers, supper. Then after supper, uh, you have your night recreation for 30 minutes, then go for night prayers, then after night prayers night prep after night prep lights out so this is just like <laughs> the program you run every day you know rising five o'clock in the morning except weekend 5 30 saturday and sundays at 5 30 every other morning is five o'clock when you woke up morning prayer morning mass after morning prayer morning mass you do your functions then lectures so you go to mass like every day mass every morning wow. not just every day Every morning, so five o'clock you are up. Five thirty wow. you are in the chapel. You have thirty minutes to, to you know, take your bath, prepare, and you have to be in the chapel. You have to be there for every activity five minutes before the time. <laughs> wow, that's so that's just the seminary for you. So like if so wait, wait, after, okay, sorry, go on. So after your 
So that that's just the program for this junior seminary. Okay. So after your junior seminary, the next will be your one year pastoral year. After junior seminary, that is after your SS3. Okay. Next will be your one year pastoral year. Now you are being sent to a parish to work with a priest. You can just like you just be like working as a PA, personal assistant to a priest. Okay. Whereby, if the priest is living alone, you might be helping him doing the cooking, helping washing his clothes, cleaning the father's house, and other things. Okay. Then, then if you are lucky, you are posted to a, a parish that have all other workers available. Yeah. You don't have much thing to do. You just be there as as kind of or a kind of a PA to the priest. Okay. So that one lasts for one year. Then after that, those that passed, because the seminary process, yeah. Uh, Okay, for example, when we began our JSS one, we are one hundred and JSS uh, one, we are around one seventy. Now JSS one, then the SS one, we reduced to one for one fourteen in our SS one. Before our SS three, we reduced to ninety wow. because every year. People are being expelled after every third semester, third term. People will be expelled. Both those that didn't meet up academically, those that didn't meet up uh, behavioral. As in, okay. in seminary, you are being monitored. Okay. The priests are monitoring you. The school prefects are monitoring you. You also have student teachers that are monitoring you. So there is a record for on you for anything you do. You go out, you come back late. That sounds very <laughs> on you, you come, and uh, you are monitored. It is just as in discipline stuff, man. They would have expelled me since the first year. <laughs> <laughs> just like in seminary now, we have five deadly rules in the seminary. We have a uh, number one, um, stealing. Once you are, once it is said that you you stole anything, you are going immediately. Nothing like calling counsel for it. Stealing, then sneaking out. Of the seminary, uh, anything sexual intercourse, mm. anything about sex, whether with a woman or your fellow man, once it's sex, what, what, going. what about masturbation? I don't know. Let me not catch you. <laughs> <laughs> let me not catch you. What, what is it? anything sexual misconduct? Once it's, once it's related to sex, yeah, <laughs> sexual immorality, you are going. Wonderful. So then, fighting. And then exam practice. Hmm. Exam practice. If you are caught in an exam hall cheating, you are living on the spot. You are being expelled on the spot. Oh. So and these five um, rules now, any of them you are caught, you are living on the spot. So other ones might be just be jotted down, jotted down for you because all every all the priests have albums, have an album. Or a kind of report book that has all of our pictures on it. Okay. So when they see you doing anything wrong, they go to your own page with your picture and just turn it down for you. So at uh, on third term, there is a time for St. John's Council. That's the council where the priest decides who stays and who goes. Okay. So they will now go through their books, know who and who did what and what, know those that should be pardoned, those that will be expelled, you know, by next year. Some will be expelled, some will be left. So that's just the process every year. So by our by our study before Wayek, we are remaining ninety in our class. Mm. Then during Wayek, 
I think one of my classmates, uh, that was malpractice and he was expelled. So he has to continue writing his exams from outside. First master to write his exams. So we finished our work. 89 of us finished our work. And that was, with, that was in which, which, year, <laughs> which year did you guys graduate? That, that was the... Uh, my history was 214. Okay. Yeah, 214 SS3. So we finished 214 SS3 then. Then after our graduation, then we were now asked those that would like to continue to the priesthood, those that feel like they are really still interested in continuing to apply for the one-year apostolic work. So many applied, some that feel that they are no longer interested, didn't apply because sometimes some people, some parents don't send their children to the seminary because their children say they want to become a priest. They want to become a priest. Some send their children to the seminary because they feel the seminary is a good environment to train them properly. Okay. You get So after the history, those that wish to continue, we continue. Those that don't wish to continue, we also drop. Then... Those that wish to continue will now be screened. Mm. If you pass the screening, then you continue for your one-year pastoral year. Then at the end of the one-year pastoral year, another screening. By the priest that you at the, end of, at the end of okay. Yes, we write reports on you. Okay. So if it went well with you and the priest, he will give you a good report. If it didn't go well, he will give you a bad report. Sometimes it will still go well with the priest and he will still give you a bad report. <laughs> Why? So, so I was lucky I got a good report after my one year. Then the next level now is the spiritual year. Okay. Spiritual year now. Before a spiritual year, you now wear the white sultan. That is the white cassock priest and priests do wear. So that day was one of the sweetest day of my life back then. Wow. You know, <laughs> on my investiture day. Well, I still have that sultan. I've given out all of that sultans I have. But that particular one I wore uh, on that investiture day that was incensed, you know, incense, and it was blessed with incense and holy water. Yeah. I still have that one. Uh, I, I have it not because of how it was blessed, but I have a very, <laughs> very nice. I have some purpose for li- <laughs> I have some nice purpose for leaving that, not mm-hmm. just for a reminder or anything, but I have some blasphemous and the. Uh, <laughs> so that's famous acts to do that. Can you imagine? Wow. <laughs> so, so that was why I left it. I also my abominations to commit with that sultan. So that was why I left that particular one. So that it was very uh, an interesting day for me because it felt like I'm getting closer to my childhood dream, you know. We were 114 that began. Yeah. Not 114, we were 170. Yeah, 170 that began in, in our JSS1. Then, luckily, I was among the, the, how many are we then? Among the 27 that was chosen for investiture. So, wow. you know, it was a happy thing for me wearing the white garment, you know, people in the church cheering us up, you know, it was a kind of yeah. a big, a big, a big church ceremony and we were the yeah. celebrant. So it was a, <laughs> it was really interesting something then. Then after that uh, investiture, next will be the spiritual year, one year, you'll be in the novitiates or 
the spiritual seminary. That's why people spend that one year, you know, learning church doctrines, learning languages like Greek, Hebrew, Latin, then learning um, some courses that you'll be taught in the seminary, kind of uh, teaching you, making you understand some stuff you will see in the seminary ahead. Okay. So that's how you spend that one year. Then after that spiritual year, another screening. Just at the end of every year, there's there is screening. screening. Wow. a screening. And some persons will be dropped. There's no way there will be screening and someone won't be expelled. <laughs> so after that, the next level is now the major seminary, which is just like the university. Okay. So when you get to the major seminary now, the university, we have in the, sem- in the major seminary, we have only two departments the philosophy department and the theology department. Okay. So in the seminary, we are being taught philosophy and then theology. But first, you have to study philosophy first before you study theology. Because the seminary said that, uh, hey, I forgot how they say this. Uh, philosophy is the handmaid of theology. Okay. <laughs> so, you get, so you have to have a knowledge of philosophy first to help you understand and digest theology. But that's not the way I see it. <laughs> how, how do you see it? That's the way I see it. How do you see it? Mm, first of all, they will, they will raise your consciousness. Okay. You get with philosophy. Not just raising your consciousness with philosophy. As they're raising it, they're also calming it down. Hmm. Then, coming to theology now, they will now silence it properly. <laughs> then, silence it properly. Then also, what philosophy does here now, because normally the church will say faith and reason, mm. faith and reason. But to me, uh, let's say faith and reason. Now, the faith now is theology and the reason is philosophy. Okay, yeah. So, but for me, there's, there's nothing like uh, faith and reason here. It is just faith and faith. Mm. You get, it's just faith and faith, nothing like faith and reason. Because the reason there is a faith guided reason. Okay. Not a pure reasoning. Okay, okay. Because I've, because the philosophy you are taught, you are not taught that philosophy to be open-minded. You are taught that philosophy to for you to be equipped okay. to be able to defend the Catholic doctrine. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. So that that philosophy just to help you to defend the Catholic doctrines. Okay. So and then also there's one thing I noticed in the seminary. Eh? You know, uh, two teachers can teach the same thing and people will understand different things. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's how, that's how it happens in the seminary. They're not teaching you to open your head. They're teaching you to prepare you for the priestly work. Okay. So that's why I'm not surprised priests will finish studying philosophy and still, and yet, they don't even uh, feel, uh, feel any atom of uh, maybe becoming conscious or anything because when they feel they're coming up conscious that consciousness is coming up there is something there to to cool it down yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so the priests know how to do their thing (laughs) you know to do that thing in the classroom but sometimes maybe the priests don't are not doing it consciously sometimes they're doing it unconsciously you get because that's what they are trained to do Okay. So sometimes they do it consciously, but I think most times they're not even conscious of the game they're playing. Okay. So. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, the the seminary year is like is how many like the seminary year itself is how many years? 
Okay, philosophy is four years and theology is four years. So that's eight years. Wow. Yes, eight years. Wow, wow. So whenever you see a priest, just know that that's, that human being spent at least 12 years after his secondary school before becoming a priest. Wow, that's wonderful. So priests are being nurtured very well. Priests are smart people. That's why sometimes when I hear that a priest did this or a priest did that or hear some mess-ups about priests, I do feel irritated. Mm-hmm. I do feel bad. I'll be like... Upon all these trainings, this young man still messed himself up. Yeah. Because priests are smart. But one thing there is, no matter how smart, you might, uh, for, for the fact that you're a human, yeah. you can't just control it all the time. Yeah. Sometimes your human nature will take the best part of you. So, that's... Yeah, so, uh, in what... You, I think you go to the main seminary itself. Right? Yeah, I got to the major seminary. So what yes. year did you begin to like maybe change your mind about all this? Okay, uh let me say from my from my spiritual year. From my spiritual year. Or even then the seminary. The seminary. I don't know, but let me say people let's say people's temperaments play a lot of rules on how they see and understand things. I don't know. They are, I think this this is a fact. People's temperaments play a lot of rules on how they see things, on how they understand things, on their boldness and stuff. So, right from time, I've always uh, noticed uh, some stuff, but I've always believed that there is God. You know, I notice some discrepancies, some incoherencies, but I'll be like, there is always a reason to cover up. Okay. You get. So, yeah, because that's what I'm trained to do. You know, I'm trained to answer all those questions. So, back then, even if you're an atheist and you come and you come to me, you know, we argue it too, and I'll make sure you know with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, even back then, self, I do. I do argue with people that think that they are strong head, that they don't believe in God, and I will still win them. Yeah, because that was what I was trained to do. But within me, sometimes I know some of these things don't make sense, but because I already have an image to protect, um, I have something to defend. So I can't, you can't just argue with me and I will accept it openly with you. But when I'm talking with my fellow seminarians, my classmates, uh, we tell ourselves the truth now. It'd be like, say, nah, this thing don't follow <laughs> this one don't make sense here. Yeah. You get. But this is not what we will go out and start discussing with church people. Okay. With delay faithfuls. You get. Even there was a time in class I asked one question like that in class. So one of my classmates from the back seat was like, Is this what you are planning to go and be doing with your parishioners when you become a priest? Mm-hmm. And I should leave all these things aside. <laughs> I should stop asking all those questions. So there is, there is always a way to calm down that consciousness. You know, someone that was from your childhood, your childhood dreams have been to become a priest. So anything you see that is trying to shatter that dream, you see it as the devil trying to put sand in your gari, you know, giving you bad vibes. So you always find a way to close it down. And even when you ask the priests, they, they, there will always be a way to explain it for you. Understand and you accept. Mm-hmm. 
So the philosophy, the philosophy within the seminary wasn't for me. It wasn't just philosophy. <laughs> it was just <laughs> it was just a it we are just uh, trained as tools. Okay. We are just trained as tools for the church. So the philosophy was just help was just there to help us to be smart, you know, help us to be sharp. Help us to know how to talk. Help us to know how to speak to people. You know, just to make you to be a critical human being. But the criticalness now is not for you to be open-minded and figure out that the whole thing is bullshit. It's just for you, to, just to prepare you for the work ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's just the philosophy in the seminary. Okay. So, I w- like, can you so can you describe like how exactly you? Like what? How you began to like reason out of all this, and at what moment did you say like I want to know like w- what year were you in the seminary when you said okay I'm 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 not gonna go on with this thing anymore. Okay, I was in my third year then. I was my I was in my third year then. So there was this conference conference we went for answering many questions. I, normally I'm the type that asks questions in classes, so I ask a lot questions because i'm the type that i would like to be convinced of anything i'm doing so that when i'm outside saying it i'll be saying it boldly with my full chest knowing that i'm not wrong because i wouldn't like anyone to challenge me you know or come and mess me up so i always like to be sure so i ask a lot of questions so for that particular conference i didn't ask any question i was just down there i wasn't even focusing on what they were saying so i couldn't even see any question to ask but when they were asking the question I was just analyzing, observing how people are asking questions and how those questions are being answered. You get so after observing the whole thing, I noticed that questions are not being answered. You get all they do is just go around the whole thing, then divert to another place. Yeah. They won't answer your question. They will go around it then shift it to something else that looks like that to feel like they've answered your question. But that question, they won't answer it. Mm. So you yourself might not even see the need to ask more because the way they would do it, you feel you are okay. And you feel you are okay. So questions are not being answered. Okay. Because they don't have answers for for those questions. If they should answer it properly, it will spoil one doctrine also in the church. And they won't like to commit a... A heresy, <laughs> which is a very big crime in the church. Uh, so after after observing that, I went back to the hostel. Those particular questions, I tried researching about them. Those 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 questions that were asked, I tried I tried researching about them, and I got better answers. Then that this was, this was just the beginning because it began from that particular observation. That was where the whole thing started. So in class the other day, there was this question I asked the priest. I also noticed that he did the same thing. They are not answering your. They won't. The question wasn't answered to to you know clear me, but rather the question was answered to gain attention of the crowd of the whole class, you know, yeah. to trigger the whole class. Yeah. So I felt like 
this question you you didn't answer this question properly and uh, even the analysis you used to answer the question is very wrong it's not right it's not proper you know though logically it might be making sense to people but uh, we know that i know this is not a uh, coherent it's not flowing so i know i have it that day the next day the same thing so i observed this i observed this for some time then there was this day i felt like because all, all along i've been having i have many questions in my head about the church's doctrine and so many other things so when i noticed that these people are not answering my questions properly in class because already i do ask questions they know me they know john bosco because that's my english name that's what they know me for in school john bosco so <laughs> So they know John Bosco. So at the time, I felt like these people are not answering my question. So one night like that, I started uh, researching outside the box. I read so many. I started reading books online, you know, making researches, trying to understand things better. And what I now do is when I read in the hostel, then I come to the class prepared and fully loaded for the priest. I mean, there was this day I followed, I followed up a priest bomba to bomba <laughs> i followed him up that at the time there was this look he gave me and that was our rector <laughs> that was the rector of the seminary he was teaching that was a uh, when he was teaching us anthropology in our third year okay. i followed him bomba to bomba but at the end there was a look the man gave me and then where the whole thing scattered for me was the time the priest uh we were taught truths. That was in epistemology classes. Okay. The topic truths. So uh, after the whole, because that that topic, after the priest introduced it, he shared the the topic so that we, we to be a presentation course that we pre- we do presentations. So after the whole presentations, then he came to class and was like, "Who will give us a rundown, an excursus of the whole thing?" So the first person stood up, did his own, then next, because I have questions in my head already. So I said, let me just stand up and do the excursus, then come up with the question under it. So I began with the whole thing. So we are, as it was going on, I was was, was coming down, beginning from the ancient time, coming up to, that should be Hegel, to the modern time, to Hegel's time. So, according to Hegel, Hegel said that we we won't um, come to the truth. We won't know the truth till we meet the absolute spirit. That we won't know the truth. That what we do is just, you know, going bit and bit closer to the truth. As we won't have the aim of the whole thing till we get to the absolute spirit. And what that absolute spirit is... Uh, Nobody knows what Hegel meant. Christian uh, philosophers, we say that that absolute spirit is God. Then those that are not Christian philosophers, we call it something else. So nobody knew what Hegel meant, meant by absolute spirit. Mm. So as I was doing those, that excursus, you know, going, you know, holding my feet on what Hegel said. So I now asked the priests, what if as we are going, because one thing, I, one thing we have observed is that whatever we call truth today, tomorrow, we might discover that it was a lie. 
just like before, everyone else believed that the earth was flat. Even the Bible was written on, on that knowledge, on that idea that the earth was flat. But now, we know that the earth is not flat, it's spherical. Which, if the earth was actually, if people knew that the earth was spherical, we wouldn't be having something like uh, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Yeah, true. Great is the name of the Lord. That particular phrase, we won't be using it. There will be another word yeah. showing that the sun is not even rising or setting. Rather, there will be something like the from the throughout the from the sun rotating from this angle to this angle or from that angle to that angle. So there must be something about the rotation of the sun in that phrase. Yeah. And not just rising and setting, you get so. So I was doing the analysis for the priest, you know, coming down, telling him that uh, some things we have as truth before is no longer truth now. That even one, the only truth that I can say to be absolute is the mathematical truth, whereby one plus one is one, two plus two is two. Even if anywhere you check it from ages back then till now, mathematical truth has always been. You know, the analysis that was coming up, that's what I ended with. I didn't even prepare this, but you know, because I was already having disturbances about this whole thing in my head, and I just want to let it out. So, so, so in class, I was like, What if at the end we now discover that there is actually no God? Like, if it has been going this way, uh, we thought it was this. But be- because our mind have not evolved to a level to understand it properly, we called it A. But later, our mind moved ahead and we understood that that was not A, it was B. Because back then, people thought that thunder was a rot or anger of God. But now we know that it's, it's something like that. That thunder is just thunder. Before we thought that our world ended just at the cloud, we didn't know that you can actually fly plane and enter that cloud and over and going to the, and go to the space. Yeah. So I was like, as our knowledge keeps building up, we keep gathering things. We might, on a very good day, discover that most truths and belief we hold are actually lies, yeah. and we might also discover that that this thing we call God. Is actually <laughs> one of those lies we think that is this that that is truth. This particular analysis broke down the whole class, and this particular thing could have caused my expulsion from the seminary. I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, after, after this analysis, eh, was when you know I started as in that this was this was when I started you know crashing as in crashing the whole the whole thing. And this, I, I was lucky. What saved me that I wasn't expelled was that the academic dean came to my defense, saying that it was just a philosophy class that they should allow John Bosco that when he gets to theology, he understand better. <laughs> if not, I've already been declared an atheist that, 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 that there is no God. Heretic. <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, that answer alone caused a hala for me. But luckily, it, the, the, the academic dean defended me. Because he understood, maybe he has, he, has been, he has been understanding me, knowing that I do fire him questions quite in class. Mm. So the guy saved me during their council. He even called me and warned me that I should be careful. So another place where I 
also have a kind of confidence or stamped it that this whole thing is bullshit was when I went out researching about the creation story. Okay. Because already I know that that story doesn't add up in some places. There are many loopholes in it. I know I know lots of loopholes in the Bible. But, you know, we always convinced ourselves with the idea that, uh, you know, it was the inspiration of God, but in the language and writings of men, that yeah. men can make mistakes. The mistake wasn't God's plan. Mm. So, but, you know, I was like, if God is almighty and perfect, whatever he inspires should also reflect that. Yeah. You know, that was my, this was where I started, you know, thinking about the whole thing, the perfectness of God. Because that's, that particular word, perfect, <laughs> an attribute given to God, was where I placed all my arguments mm-hmm. when shattering the whole thing. Then the Bible now, coming to the Bible now, where, where I stayed, where I placed my foot to shatter the whole Bible was, when I asked this question in class, I was this priest I was arguing with in class then, you know, that was doing anthropology class, but I managed to shift it to, to shift the whole thing to the Bible towards the creation story. So I asked the priest, philosophically speaking, and according to what we have learned about nature, did man actually fall or was he just dancing? to the tunes of his nature. Mm. Because if man was actually created perfect, man would not make mistakes. Exactly. Then if man was created imperfect, then that means he was created to make mistakes. Yeah. So after that question, the police looked at, looked at me for some time. Even the whole class, even someone from the back was like, when I leave John Bosco, John Bosco no believe all those things. <laughs> 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 so, so, so that please looked at me for some time before he went on. Even if he said he didn't answer that question, but that's, a, me that, that's a brilliant question. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So that from so from that question, then I then asked him next because that question he didn't he, he didn't have much answer for it because mm. that that day what we are learning was nature, just okay. the topic nature. Okay. So and we are meant to understand that in nature, not no being can exceed its nature. Yeah. Like a goat, we always act like a goat. A goat cannot act like a crocodile. Yeah, true. A human being will always be a human being. A human being cannot escape the boundaries of his nature. So whatever human beings are doing, it is in their nature to do it. Mm. You get. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was where that was why I asked. I fired him that question, and also I then asked him about God. Coming to God now. If God is perfect, fully perfect. Everything proceeding from God should be perfect. So I don't see a reason why an imperfect God, imperfect world, world should, exist. should proceed from the yeah. uh, should proceed from a perfect God. And also that this um, teaching of perfection, whereby they say that for you to be perfect, perfect means wholeness. You don't need anything. You are fully complete. Yeah. No need for anything. So if perfection if looking at perfection from that um, idea of wholeness, not needing anything, then why, why, why does create? God? Why do God? Why does God uh, need angels? Yeah. Why, why does he, Why does he 
place to create anything now. Even why 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 create why create the world? Any exactly. What 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 was the reason? <laughs> and even if and come fullness now, if you are perfect, wholeness, wholeness now, you won't even see the need or the reason to move. Yeah. <laughs> if you are whole, you are complete. You won't even see the reason to open your eye or blink your eye. If you are whole and your eye has been open, you won't see any reason to close it. Yeah. So that means if God has a need, then God is not perfect. God is not wholesome. So from that idea where I kicked against God from that particular angle. So I asked so many questions that day. Now that particular priest, that particular priest gave me question ban in his class. And one thing <laughs> it means that if I ask my question, I will I will jot them down point by point in my book. And once I begin, I won't ask only one question. No, I can prepare like five questions and unload it once. And the five questions will be interconnected. Mm. <laughs> they will be connected that I will fire all of them once. I will fire one. I'm sure my question was that if you yourself will be confused, you know where to start. And once you start, I'll be I'll also be waiting for you to fall into some traps I've set. Because my questions are as and have I'll prepare some traps for you, waiting for you to, you know, fall. So that I will <laughs> arrive at where I'm going to. Mm. So that day please couldn't answer, answer those questions. He gave me a question band, even called me later when he was uh, during a night creation called me later to ask me whether I'm having some issues, whether I'm doubting God and stuff. I told him, no, it's just I'm trying to be more convinced and more sure so that when I'm preaching and teaching in the church, I will know what to teach people. And also when people ask me such questions, I'll know what to answer them. So that was how I escaped that one. But that didn't uplift the question band he gave me in his classes. So, and also another, another sports call that made me know that the whole thing was messed up is knowing that the christian creation story is not the only christian story in the world yeah we have many of them even the christian Christian story is similar to the enuma elish of the babylonian so since a christian claim that the bible is a historical book which means it can also be true that it it might also be true that the the Israelites were once trapped in Babylon, they were once held captive in Babylon. So from my own analysis, I don't know what happened then. No. But from the way I see it, if uh, if Israelites were trapped in Babylon, they might have copied that story. They might have did a kind of copy and edit yeah. from the Babylonian Enuma Elish to get their own story. And I think that might be the time the Israelites discover that they have a need for one God. Maybe that's where the Jews developed their idea of monotheism, knowing that for them to control their people and escape Babylon, they need to have one mind and one heart. And one way to achieve that will be monotheism. Because when you worship different gods, you have different ideologies, different mindsets. But once you succeed in having one mind, then one God, it will now be one mind. Because all of you will now be obeying the instructions of one God and not the instructions of different gods. So for me, I think that's where monotheism starts because the Jews should be, the Jews are the first, should be the first to come up with the idea of monotheism. 
okay. despite others, despite the polytheism that was there. So, and, and I think that's why if you check the whole of the Old Testament, it is it has always been one God against many gods. Yeah, you know, one God choosing His people and using His people to destroy other gods and their peoples. Yeah, and you get so, <clears throat> and also knowing that the creation story is also messed up. So I was like, if there are so many Christian stories out there. How am I sure that ours is correct? How do I know? And then with all the loopholes in the Christian story, you know, with so many questions I've asked in class to show all those loopholes and also with the way the priests do answer the questions, not answering my questions, always looking for an escape route to escape it. So I was now like, if the Christian story is bullshit, if it is that messed up and false, then how am I sure that the whole of the Bible is true? Because even the coming of Jesus Christ was linked is linked to that creation story. Jesus Christ came to the world because Adam failed. Yeah, Adam messed up according to the, according to that creation story. So, <clears throat> if <clears throat> that creation story now in that creation story. Uh, it was connected to Adam, it, Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruits, which when you examine the nature of man, it shows that Adam and Eve were actually created imperfect, which means they were created to make mistake. So if uh, they are now if they are created to make mistake, and then if they are created to make make mistake, also there will also be a need for somebody to come and save them. Yeah. So there is. In the Bible is a kind of interwoven from that creation story. Whoever wrote it, those that organized it, you know, did a very nice job there. Not knowing that people will still figure out the whole nonsense. So they did a very nice job there, connecting the whole Bible together from that creation story to the last. They did a nice work connecting it together. So now, knowing that the creation story is false, Linking it now to Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ actually came to save man. And man failed. Man, uh, according to the Bible, the fall of man was still in that Genesis after the creation story. So if it was so, that means if if that creation story is false, the story of Jesus Christ is also false. Because what Jesus Christ came, what what was his mission? Is it to save those his father has created to fall? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. So trying to reconcile this whole thing, you know, that was where I I was like, man, listen, Abushito. So I've been I've been learning lies all my life. <laughs> so, so I tried to dis- I tried to, I tried to discuss it with some priests, and they kept on avoiding some avoiding some things. I discussed with my classmates. Nobody was really ready to discuss things with me. So I did more research. The more I'm making researches, the more I'm figuring out that this whole thing is just rubbish, you know. Then till the time I noticed that Jesus, the story of Jesus Christ is not the first story of a virgin birth, not mm-hmm. the first story of resurrection. I was like, hey, wait, hey. <laughs> so now copy and paste, they've been through this man. <laughs> Say me, I don't do it again, though. <laughs> so as time goes on, I kept on doing researches. And once I research finished, I will come class, come through one bomb. Mm-hmm. Come through question for class. So that's why I kept on doing it too, till then I cannot can again. No. <laughs> so when when did you so now, it, like when did you now finally decide to like say okay 
you you're going to leave the seminary and all that okay i said that that okay that was during the during my third uh, my third year yeah. the holiday of my third year when i went for apostolic work because after every as a major as a senior seminarian after every um year at the end of every second semester you go for six weeks apostolic work so during the six weeks apostolic work of my third year or during the holiday of my third year i discovered i discovered that uh, man i can no longer teach people this so because once i'm about to start lecturing people you know teaching them yeah. the church doctrines during catechism or when i want to talk to people I might keep on telling me, guy, you, feel you are lying to these people. Yeah, Tell them the truth. Yeah. yeah. Well. So I couldn't, I can't resist it. I feel like, man, this is not working again. I can't even talk to people. Mm. Because within me, my mind is telling me, you are lying. Why not tell them the truth? Like, you tell them, God will do this, God will do that. But I know that it's a lie. Mm. So I was like, I'm forcing myself to do it. And that was when I knew, man, this will not work. Then during the holiday, and that was during that coronavirus period. As that was when Corona was uh, coming up a bit. So I noticed the. Uh, well, no, was it before Corona? That should be before Corona, because Corona was when we did our exam. Our our final year, our final year exam was during Corona period. So before my final year, I was like, this thing will not work again. No, I don't think I can continue with this. So. But I went back to the seminary with a clean mind, a clean heart, hoping that uh, because actually I really want to be a priest too. Yeah. Seriously, I so much wanted to be a priest. So after after having that issues, I even talked to one of my priest friends, you know, told him what I was passing through, and he kind of calmed me down, told me I should leave all those things. That when I get to theology, I will understand better. Okay. So I can I calm myself down. Then going back to final year now. 40. Anytime I go to class, the more once the lecturers are teaching things in class, I now understand things better than the way I understand it before. And whatever they are teaching, it is always it, it, it will have something about a church doctrine that it will scatter. Okay. You get so that maybe that they're teaching something in class now. And I'm understanding that thing, not just the way they're teaching it or where um, they are teaching should be directing to. Instead, yeah. I'll be understanding it properly, deeply, the analyzing the whole thing. That, and then getting then what, the, the, yes, now the implications. And if this is actually this, then it implies that this is it's a lie here. Yeah, yeah. This is not true. So the more I go to classes, I go to lectures, listening to teachers teach what and what they teach the more it is shattering the whole uh, church doctrine even the bible everything it's kept on destroying the whole thing till i can't again so that should be before easter i'll be during easter break during easter break easter break already was a coronavirus during that coronavirus period was when i concluded in my mind man i will not continue again it is over <laughs> it's over because that time I was even I noticed that I can't even hide it anymore because there was a time my mom was talking to me that was during the coronavirus period we were at, we were at home so my mom was telling me something and I replied 
mommy, just keep the Bible aside first. <laughs> that Bible is full. <laughs> keep the Bible aside. And when we are saying something serious, don't bring the Bible. Because there is nothing serious in that book that you should that you, that you should be quoting it for me. Because as she quoted that Bible for me, it annoyed it kind of irritated me that why quoting lies now? Yeah. <laughs> why quoting lies for me? So from that moment I knew that man, I can't hide the whole thing again. Once you carry anything you say about church around me, I will there will always be something faulty to spot about it. So let me say from that time that was when I signed in my mind that man I can't continue. Because at the time I started understanding things differently. My whole mind changed. Even that particular time, I don't know, there was a time I was having a kind of serious headache. And I came to notice that why I was having that headache was I was trying to balance what I have known from my childhood with uh, the new incoming knowledge. Yeah. When that period wasn't easy for me. Mm. I'm trying, I'm forcing myself to to stay on track, to become a priest. And I'm also forcing myself to understand things better. So it, was, it wasn't easy. I even talked to one of my priest friends then that was a psychologist. He was in the USA. I called him on phone that one, one, one night. I explained stuff to him. Yes, he, he, he didn't tell me anything that was convincing enough to make me cool down or continue. Because as he's saying, I'm spotting thoughts in whatever he's saying. Yeah. Like he'll be saying, yeah. and I'm in my mind, I'm just analyzing the whole thing he's saying. It just, it's just not making sense. <laughs> you know, so that's um, Easter period was when I I said, man, no more. No more. I don't, I don't, think, I'll con- I don't think I'll continue this. And anytime I have a kind of a kind of a cool mind to go ahead and I've, 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 I've started to keep the whole thing aside. That moment, as I started everything aside, somebody will still carry something church and say around me, I'll be like, why these lies? <laughs> Even seeing my mom stressing herself about church stuff, it pains me. Yeah. You know, my mom will come back from the market very tired and very weak, complaining about her waist pain. She will tell me she wants to go to the church for charismatic program. I'll be like, mom, why not stay at home? God knows you're not feeling fine. He should heal you. Yeah. you God, God, God understands that you are, you, are, you are sick. So God shouldn't be annoyed if you, if you don't show up. Yeah. He should heal you first. You know, all those things. I, the whole thing started irritating me. I, was, I started asking myself, sometimes mom would be like, let's do night vigil, you know, fasting. I'll be like, why fast? Why stress myself? Can't God just uh, answer my prayers without a... Without me stressing myself, must I have to fast? Must I have to stay awake all night praying? Can't he just hear? In fact, must, must I even talk? Can't he just read my mind since he knows everything? You know, so many things. The whole thing is, the mathematics stopped. The, the whole thing stopped adding up. Yeah. So I so, knew I can't just go on again. Yeah. So, um, how did you like? Is your did your fam- is your family aware of all this and how exactly did they react to it? Okay, my mom, 
noticed about me not uh, taking God seriously. And then also when I told him, I think I will not continue in the seminary again. No. So I don't want to again. So he was like, it seems uh, I've gone to the village for my father's burial and they have done me juju or sent some evil incantations on my head that is now shattering me. I'm not talking against God, talking against the church, not taking church serious. And now I even want to quit the seminary. My mom had to invite prayer warriors to come and pray for me at home. Wow. That was very funny. <laughs> that was, that, that, that was one of the funniest days in my life. Yeah? It's even funny as I'm listening to it. <laughs> one of the funniest days in my life because as they, as they came, my mom, I've already told them what's up now, that his son is, is this, that, you know, seminarian. Now he's now, uh, that someone that should be a priest in four years' time is now saying that uh, he no longer wants to become a priest, not talking against God. So when they came now, they started asking me questions. And at the time, I was arguing with them, trying to make them understand some things. Then I saw it's not working. And then also to avoid the hurting the feelings of my mom, you know, making it be like, say, she's wasting her time. I have to concede, okay. you know, and so you just told them okay, that they should play. I just played along at the time so that if, 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 even if I continue arguing with them, it won't solve the problem. It will only keep on shattering my mom's heart. Yeah. So I have to, for her own peace of mind, for her to think uh, everything is okay, I have to play along. Then why they are praying? As they are praying, I was laughing in my mind. <laughs> As they are wow. praying for me, I was laughing in my mind. Wow. I was like, should I start acting like a... Um, and evil spirit is going my body. All those things that I was like, <laughs> I was just laughing in my mind. I was like, see these people are they mad? <laughs> so, well, so, so, yeah, my last question is, what do you say to Christians that tell you that, oh, Catholicism is not the true Christianity? Like, you, it's, not, it's because you weren't brought up in the, you, you, you didn't learn the true Christianity. You didn't know the real Jesus. That was why you left it. What do you say to people like that? What I would say people like that, okay, well, normally, I don't even like arguing with people that, that, are, that are not Catholics. Okay. Once I see you a Catholic, I have more balls. I, I not just more balls. I feel like I need to talk to you because Catholic people are the people that said this whole nonsense and it's causing the whole problem. <laughs> so I feel like Catholics are the main problem because if a Roman Catholic people initially stayed in their territory, and didn't spread their virus across the globe. I won't be having these uh, religious issues I'm having today. We won't be ha- Africa won't be the way it is today. So anybody that tells me that, I'll be like, man, I studied this thing. I understood it. You, what you did was just listening to whatever the priests tell you in the church. Oh, the pastor. But I went in. I went in there. I studied it. I understood it properly. So I think I'm in a better position to tell you that the whole thing is bullshit. Mm, so uh, if, 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 if you tell me I didn't understand it well, then you, the person should come, let's, um, let's do some questions and answer them. <laughs> Let me ask him some questions and see how he answers them. Let me show him some things that... In fact, let me ask him some questions. He will go and ask the priests and see if the priests know this. 
and then also when the priest when he figures out the priest knows all these things he should also ask the priest why is it that they don't teach it in the church yeah most priests know that the christian story is false they know it's a is a fairy tale that it is not factual but you will see them teach it in the church they always preach as if it is actually truth but in theology classes they teach them that that particular story is not factual yeah. but they will preach as if it is factual you get like the story of job they know it's not factual but then when they teach and preach they will use it as if it is a fact mm. so the most things so anybody that tells me such thing i will just laugh in my mind well i mustn't you mustn't understand it properly me i have to go to the seminary before i understood it without going to the seminary i might not know all these things i will still be the holy churchy pious young boy that i've always wanted to be close to god <laughs> so i have to go to the seminary i have to almost become a priest before i understood all these things so if you don't understand it if you don't understand i understand you okay <laughs> so yeah well, that was very interesting so is there any is there any last thing that you like to say maybe a word of advice to people and all that. Uh, what I would say is, if you notice that, uh, or if you feel that you are doubting your feet, or you feel that uh, you feel the whole thing is not adding up, please, it is not the devil. It is not the devil. It is just you. It is just your mind trying to tell you that, man, this whole thing is not lie you. It's not the devil. It's not the devil. It's just your mind. It's just you trying to free you. It's just your mind. So just your instincts are there for a reason. Yes, you. some people think instincts is just for animals. Yes, instincts is not only for animals. Human beings have instincts. And sometimes your instincts are not only um, for bad things. Your instincts are not only dead. Uh, to spoil things for you. Your instincts can also lead you to the right path. So, don't feel it is the devil. It's not the devil. It's not the devil deceiving you. It is just you. It is just you trying to understand things better. It is just you trying to be you. You get. Because religion is actually a cage. It is just you trying to liberate yourself from that mental cage. So, it's not the devil. Feel free, you know, explore. Explore. You have more, you have questions. Yes, ask more questions. Do more researches. Don't stop till you understand it better. Yeah. Simple. Okay. Because assuming, if not, I will still be there in the seminary now. Yeah, you know, trying to currently now. This, should, uh, this is a, a 20, this is 8.37. Now, we'll be in the seminary now. It's time for night prayers. Now, being the seminary chapel now, you know, saying that, saying my night prayers, you know, yeah. preparing myself to deceive people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I told myself, over my dead body, will I be an instrument of mass delusion? Yeah. I can't deceive people. Even if I would deceive people, it will not be with religion. Maybe we'll find another way to do it. Okay. <laughs> not this way. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for. Yeah, thanks so much for this conversation. I 
I really enjoyed uh, getting to hear your story. And I hope a lot of people would listen to to you as well. Mm, yeah. And then one thing, I talked too much, which I noticed I talked a lot. So for those that we say, this boy can talk, yes, I can talk. <laughs> I talk at him, no problem. It's my temperament. Sometimes I can't control it. So in case you feel this guy was talking too much, I know I talk too much. But... <laughs> I just I just have to talk. It gets it's just me. Yeah, but so you don't feel bad about it. Yeah, you you you're, you're talking things that are like reasonable, so that is okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It, it, so thank you, John, for for you know giving me this space to you know let it out. Yeah. I've always wanted to do something like this. You know, at least it's over a year now. I left the seminary. So I feel I'm free now. Not back then, I was scared that they will seize my transcripts, seize my results and stuff because they I'm an artist. So, but now I can go to any billboard and advertise myself an artist. I'm an artist. <laughs> fuck you all. Fuck your God. And they won't do anything. Anybody that wants to do anything should come and challenge me on a live television. Like these days, I can comfortably uh, challenge any preacher. I did it last week. I have yeah. someone even videoed me. I didn't even know, and I have the video. I even tweeted it. So yeah, now I can, yeah, I can, I can, I can challenge anybody now. <laughs> I don't care. Even the pope, if the pope comes, I only ask him some questions, and he starts vibrating. You know, I can challenge anybody now. So I'm not. I'm, back then was when I was scared, but I'm no longer scared. Yeah. I have my transcripts. I have everything I need from the seminary. So they can't mess with me. Yeah, you get. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, uh, and enjoy the rest of your week. So that was my conversation with Dara, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you'd like to reach out to him on social media, you could check out his Twitter handle in the description section of the episode. Thank you for listening and bye for now.